0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Friday afternoon, January the 20th, 2023. Um, earlier today, I had an interesting show with... Uh, the cultural writer Adam Kirsch, based in New York. He has a new book out, The Revolt Against Humanity, Imagining a Future Without Us. And um, we talked about the various crimes of human beings against the planet. And of course, one can exaggerate them and over-dramatize them. But it's certainly true that human beings have been responsible for the destruction of many other species, if you Google endangered species, you come across all sorts of cuddly creatures that we claim to love, from giant pandas, to snow leopards, to rhinoceroses, to blue whales, and hawksbill sea turtles. It's a shameful list. And another animal, which we tend to love, which is on this list, are koala bears that are now uh, officially an endangered species in, in parts of Eastern Australia. It's very disturbing uh, for uh, not just the koalas, of course, but many nature-loving Australians. The koalas define Australia, and vice versa. Um, last year, the Australia lists uh, listed um, uh, the koala bear as an endangered species, um, and uh a couple of weeks ago there was an interesting piece in the wall street journal by my guest danielle claude uh about the koala bear she describes them as both endangered and adaptable uh and it's it's a wonderful essay which is taken from a new book which uh by by danielle which has just come out this week in the uk and the us koala a natural history and an uncertain future uh, Danielle Claude is joining us from uh, Australia. We're Saturday morning. Danielle where are you in Australia?
1: Um, I'm in the um, hills outside Adelaide so on the south coast in about the middle.
0: So tell us the story Danielle of the koala. What should it tell us about in a broad sense about both our crimes against nature and perhaps our opportunity now to undo those crimes?
1: Yeah well, I think the the koala is an interesting um, case in conservation because it's one of those flagship species that attracts an enormous amount of um, attention uh, and, and conservation funding as well, welfare funding. Um, but, you know, it's, it's very far from being the most endangered species that Australia has. But I, I think it's a, it's a, it is a really good flagship species because people do care so much about it. Um, and I think it gives us the opportunity that if we protect the, you know, the charismatic koala, as it were, um, we, we have an opportunity to protect a whole range of other species that rely on the same forest that they do.
0: It's interesting, Danielle. We've been doing a series of um, interviews, not just about uh, the planet, but also about AI and the threat of AI. And in an odd way, AI threatens humans just as humans threaten other species. Um, And both fixes seem to lie in our complex relationship. So just as we need to learn to work with uh, robots, I guess um, we need to learn to work with koalas. I know your book focuses on what you call the complex relationship between koalas and human beings. Tell us about that. Yeah, I
1: mean, humans have got a really interesting relationship with koalas. Well, certainly elicit a very particular response. Um, they elicit a very um, parental response, I suppose, from from humans. They have a, a, a very appealing face um, that we are neurologically programmed to respond to, with the you know forward facing eyes. Um, you know that that's a fundamental piece of human makeup to respond to faces. Um, and they also elicit a lot of um, responses as we, we do to a small child you know they, they they cling to things they want to be picked or they lift their arms up to be picked up so so they definitely elicit that maternal response and I guess they' that's part of the reason why they're so popular in children's literature um, is, is that sort of childlike that that childlike sense of them um, so I guess that that's That's not all that helpful necessarily from a conservation perspective where we need to think about what koalas' needs are. They don't actually need to be cuddled and they don't necessarily want to be. Um, What they want is is a nice, healthy forest to live in and plenty of good habitat. Um, And we're not so good at providing that for them. Uh,
0: Daniel, tell us about the uniqueness of the koalas in 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 the australian uh, context why why do they only exist on, on your continent
1: yeah well i mean they, they occupy a fairly distinctive slot i mean that you know there are other other similar animals i suppose on other continents that occupy that arboreal leaf eating niche um, but i guess the thing with koalas is that they're very distinctive because they exist they Exploit eucalypt forests and eucalypt forests are particularly hard to exploit as a source of food for mammals Because firstly the high cellulose and lignin content in their leaves is very hard to digest Um, and also because eucalypts contain uh, a heap of toxins which generally make mammals feel ill so koalas have developed ways of dealing with some of those toxins although it has to be said a lot of eucalypts still remain um, too difficult even for koalas to eat so you know there's 900 species of eucalypts in australia or so um, and koalas only eat about 70 of them
0: daniel i know you've also written an interesting book on the uh, land conservation council in victoria how important are Conservation, official conservation efforts in terms of saving uh, the koala in the longer term.
1: Look, I think um, yeah, official conservation efforts are essential i think to for any um, planned management of, of our natural resources uh, in terms of conservation and the land conservation council is a really good example of that that has had a, a history of, of successively surveying different areas of the state of victoria and Coming up with a plan for conservation for each area, so it was a very systematic process, and it's quite unique, uh, certainly in Australia, quite possibly in the world, for for doing that. And because of the lack of information, um, most a lot of our problems come from a lack of information about the natural um, environment and and what's actually present in areas or absent in areas. That's very apparent with koalas. We don't even know how many there are in different areas, so it's hard to know when they're declining. Um, And the the Land Conservation Council, because it did this systematic review, it also solicited and commissioned a whole heap of research. So that gives you a really good baseline for planning. Um, And that's the kind of structure you really need to have in place if you're going to have a good system of um, protecting the natural environment, ensuring that you balance human needs and uses against um, conservation needs and uses, which, which was also a really important factor.
0: What is the politics of this, um, Danielle, in Australia? I know that recently in New South Wales, where many of the koalas can be found, uh, the Labour and Coalition parties uh, proposed plans. Um, is this highly political as it is in the United States?
1: Yes, it is highly political. And, and it's really unfortunate, I think, um, politics and more importantly, lobbying by interest, you know, um, vested interests has really disrupted what would otherwise have been a logical and um, sensible transition into a more sustainable in- industry and, and um, economy, I guess. Um, and it is really unfortunate that that's happened and it's not in the best interests of those um those industries long-term either. I mean, forestry is a really good example of that. Um, Forestry has the capacity to transition into plantation timbers very effectively, and yet there are short-term interests that have Perpetuated native forest logging, which is unsustainable and dependent on government subsidies, large government subsidies, um, and generally is pretty wasteful. I mean, the, the timbers largely just used for paper pulp anyway. So it's it's a it's bad for forestry, and it's certainly bad for koalas because that's where one of the big problems is in um, New South Wales and Queensland is that native logging of, uh, logging of native forests is continuing and that's a big, big cause of the decline in those areas.
0: Danielle, tell me a little bit about the book in terms of your, your research. You're a biologist. How much time did you actually spend with koalas? Did you go out in the wild to study them?
1: <laughs> Not enough. Um, I'm very lucky that I live in one of a popu- in the middle of a population of one of the densest populations of koalas in the country. So living in the Adelaide Hills, we have a very high density of koalas um, and they, they live on, on the property that I live on. So um, we do have a lot of koalas around. I did want to I I thought this was a great opportunity to do a lot of research in the field because it's um, all based in Australia so easy to get around Um, but of course that was just before the pandemic and then even then I thought it was still lucky because I'd be in Australia but then we had state boundaries closed so there was no travel between states so I wasn't able to get to the east coast um, until much later so that that kind of curtailed some of my field work um i I was still able to visit quite a lot of sites and Talk to, talk to a lot of scientists, um, there's a huge literature on koalas um, and a lot of researchers spent quite a bit of time assisting me with coming up to speed with the really diverse areas of koala biology, which covers a vast range, you know, from paleontology to immunology to genetics um, to ecology. Um, certainly there's, there's far more to it than one person can really cover in a lifetime.
0: Daniel, is there something miraculous about the koalas in their survival? I mean, there were many marsupials uh, on the Australian continent, and then it's only the the koalas have survived. H- how did they survive, and why did all the others die out?
1: Well, we still do have lots of lots of marsupials um, that are very successful. So you know, Australia is its mammal population is dominated for sure by marsupials. Um, but you're right, a lot of the koalas' immediate relatives have, have died out. So um, koalas now, their closest living relative is are the wombats. So um, the, there's the wombats and the koalas are, are the last of that particular lineage of marsupials. Um, but they once also included the great deprotodons, which were the largest marsupial known, um, and they were like two to three tonne grazing herbivores, um, browsing herbivores, I should say. Um, but the, those animals, a lot of those giant animals, like giant kangaroos and things like that, they went extinct with the with the megafauna everywhere else. So during the last ice age, uh, the end of the last ice age. So as Australia became more arid, um, the forest retreated and the, the great grassland areas expanded and the deserts expanded uh, and a lot of those big animals just simply didn't have enough resources to continue. So we got left with the smaller ones and the same happened to the koalas. So there was a giant koala but, but that went extinct quite some time ago and, and we're left with the, the smallest one, or one of the smaller ones which um, probably was unique in being adapted to the eucalypt forests in particular and able to exploit them so it's become a very successful um, marsupial um, especially in that it can adapt to a whole range of eucalypt forests not just one one area but across all of the you know the very many ecosystems that eucalypt forests create across the continent.
0: Daniel let's end um, with a reminder by you, you've spent a lot of time reading, writing, spending time even with the these creatures themselves. What would we lose if indeed the koala went extinct, as you suggested at the beginning? Uh, it's it's not as en- endangered as many other species, but nonetheless, it, it's on the endangered list now. What, what would what what would be the consequence of or uh, koalas disappearing from the Australian continent? Or in in your in your view,
1: I think that it's if we lose ko- koalas are an incredibly resilient and robust species, and they have come back from major extinction events twice that we know of in their past. Um, one caused by humans, and one caused by climate change. Um, and so, yeah, I really think if we lose koalas we will be losing an awful lot else as well. Um, And I, I would say that the decline of koalas on the east coast is really an important warning for us that we need to be looking closer at our habitat management and our environmental management because if we lose koalas, then, you know, we're not in very good shape ourselves.